You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Podcast. I am Edward Finally, Green. The, the last month of this godforsaken year. Yes, we're so close to the end of 2020. It's so close. I am um, Edward Green, joined as always by my calling crime, Wes Bradshaw. Uh, we have a banger of podcast for you all today. Um, some Premier League to talk about. Um, definitely not salty people in the news. Definitely not salty. Um We'll be, of course, discussing that. Uh, big, big week of Champions League action. Oh, Ooh. my. Oh, that Champions League. I, I can't I can't quite remember a, uh, a time when we went into the final match week of the Champions League with this much still on the line. I'm very excited. And, uh, of course, we'll have some news and notes. And the uh, we'll be pimping the athletic. And we'll hit the watch for 10 at all. And... I, I don't know. I saw some news on the Twitter. Are, are we going to have another sad so raw to end the show? Um, yes. Unfortunately, okay. we are. Yeah. I didn't think oh. for a second. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah, that's that's generally what happens. Um, it's okay. Um, but hey, uh, as always, um. This podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Um, let's get right into the Premier League action from this past week. Um, Newcastle uh, gets their first win. When will they, or Not their first win, but gets a win on the last week. When will they get their next one? When will they play again? Who really knows? Uh, but they do get a 2-0 win over Palace with two late, late, late goals. Uh, one from Callum Wilson and one from Joe Linton. So they get the win there over the Eagles. Um, Man City, um, literally, I don't know, four days after after we went on this podcast and said, at least I said, Man City looked kind of ordinary. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm recording a backup, so we're good. Um, um, Man City... Beats down Burnley 5-0. I believe I saw somewhere this is the fourth straight time Man City has beaten Burnley at the Etihad 5-0. Uh, it's just, it's fucking Burnley. Let's not jump to conclusions here. Oh, City's back. <laughs> They're not back. They're not back. But Guess they, who they else did is actually... Texas was back. <laughs> uh, they did actually do th- somebody poked the stick and said do something and they finally did something uh, Riyad Mahrez with the hat trick in that one uh, Leeds uh, proving one more time that uh, everybody got way too excited about Everton to start the season they get the 1-0 victory over them uh, thanks to Rafinha's 79th minute goal and uh, West Brom 
in the battle of bottom feeder teams gets a very important 1-0 win over Sheffield thanks to Connor Gallagher in the 13th minute. Um, Elsewhere, we had Leicester dropping a surprising match against Fulham. And I want to say real... I'm going to check real quick. No, that's Fulham's second win on the season. That's actually two on the... uh, Two on the trot? No, it's not two on the trot. Um, No, no, no. But that is Fulham's second win on the season um, against a listless Leicester. And uh, West Ham also with a bit of an upset on Monday, getting a 2-1 win at home over Aston Villa, um, who had been doing pretty well uh, up to this point in the season. Um... Elsewhere on Sunday, it was Wolves with a very big 2-1 win over Arsenal. As always, it's pretty fucking neato. Pedro Neto with the goal in the 27th minute. And Daniel Podence with the goal in the 42nd. Um, that match was also crazy. I can't remember why off the top of my head, but I know... Um, 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 oh, God. The, the Mexican international who's like... Raul Jimenez, uh, Jimenez like broke his skull. That's right. Yes, I'm so sorry. I Pundence came in for Jimenez. That's what it was. Um, and we do have an update as provided by the Wolves website. He had a fractured skull in the match uh, when he came together with David Luiz. Um, but they said that uh, Wolves website said, uh, quote, Raul is comfortable following an operation last night, which he underwent in a London hospital. He has seen his partner, Daniela, and is now resting. He will remain under observation for a few days while he begins his recovery. Uh, but yes, it was a very, now that I'm remembering, it was a very, very scary sight um, to see him on the ground for so long. You know, I would have figured going to head to head to anybody, Louise would have been perfect with all that damn cushioning. It seems that it seems even Spanish Bob's Spanish sideshow Bob. There's too many Spanish Bobs. Um, Spanish sideshow Bob. Anyway. That's true, but it's more fun to call him Spanish Bob. Um, I say that as a Brazilian. Um, so yes, <laughs> Daniel Podet's coming on and getting the eventual winner in the 42nd minute. Um, uh, Man United with the comeback win over Southampton 3 2. Uh, the Saints led in the first half 2 0. Um, but unfortunately, Edison Cavani came on and uh, was their undoing as he scored two and assisted on the third um, to get United a very important win to propel them up the table and into the top half. Um, Tottenham 0 0 draw at Chelsea. Um, and I, I guess, I guess you take we we take those. I guess as 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 the kids would say these days, we take those. Um, I know yeah, that yeah, a lot of a, a lot of people. I think kind of. I think a lot of neutrals maybe complain that this was oh this is the return of Josie. Um, but I don't know, Wes. I think with the crazy schedule. I mean, we've talked about this at different parts of the season with the craziness of the schedule. To be able to go on the road to another team that's in, that's been on a very strong run of form, as as we saw in the Champions League today, obviously, um, to go there and play to a nil nil draw and still have a chance at the very end, if Giovanni Lo Celso hadn't done maybe the worst shot attempt I've ever seen a professional footballer take. Um, might have still come away with all three points, but I think, I think, West, we are finally starting to see 
Josie's stamp on Tottenham, and it's been it's been coming. But he, I think the players have bought in. I think the, the the team, the organization has bought in, and they backed him up with the players in the transfer market. And um, th- this is starting to resemble those year two Josie teams that would go out and win the league or finish second in the league. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, Josie. Yeah. Josie. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, let's put it this way. Let's say this about Tottenham. Yeah. They are not as fun to watch as they were under Pochettino. No. Not all the time. Oh, no. my God. Josie Mourinho is getting results. Yeah. That's what's important. Um, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's year two. It's Mourinho. I we technically say this is year two. Yeah. Um, you know, we've just he, entered he into year two because I think he just took. Oh, I think it was like the one year anniversary was like two weeks ago or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> Mourinho has taken a team that he basically inherited. I mean, he's gotten some guys. Don't get me wrong, and we were talking about them in the last week or so. He's got a few guys in, but Josie's taken a team that really played a much different style of football than Mauricio Pochettino. Mm-hmm. And has turned them um, not completely into a mm-hmm. part of the bus Josie team, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, but they are a Spurs team that um, they are built through the spine. They're built at the back, and they go back forward. Um, they don't worry about playing the most beautiful football in the world. They worry about playing the most effective football that they possibly can. And you know, at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want the opportunity to have your name in there to win titles. And for as much of a beating as Jose Mourinho takes, granted, Jose Mourinho brings nearly sure. everything upon himself. So sure. Yeah, I mean let's not let's not say poor, poor Josie. No. Josie <laughs> does shit. Jersey. And Josie knows he does shit. He knows <laughs> he does shit. But um he's got this team playing in the mold of a Mourinho team. Now they're all the thing is, all the Mourinho teams are a little different. None are none are like the other. Mm-hmm. None are the same as the other. So, um, you know, it's not like it's a carbon copy of his Chelsea squads or his Inter Milan squads. It's certainly not a copy of his Manchester United squads. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but he's he's getting the best out of them right now, and that's what you ask a manager to do. And uh, Mourinho has come in, and it's taken him a little while, but he seems to have cracked the code. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the last two weeks against very tough op- opposition, I, I think he's reverted a little bit to, or not reverted, but he's implemented that sit back and be dangerous on the counter mentality. And Spurs, have, I think, with Harry Kane having changed his methods of playing in the, in the past year, that's really suited him very well. Um, but I mean, we also have matches like the, the 6-1 drubbing of United earlier this season so when Tottenham when Tottenham really want to go for it they can still go for it um and and mm-hmm. Josie will unshackle them I I kind of wonder if he will do that uh in their match uh that's upcoming this weekend in the North London Derby especially if Kane is is good to go for that one um but but I do think he has he has instilled a little bit of steel in them that I think they were lacking under Pochettino, except for maybe that 
that one year where they finished second to Chelsea. But other than that, I, I think he has he has really helped them find find something. Uh, Michael Cox had a great art write up um, in the Athletic, of course, um, talking about how important uh, of a job of all people Musa Sissoko has done um, in kind of making that a pseudo back five defense and being being a cover for a lot of those people. So a lot of important things going on there. Also, Tenge and Don Blake continues to just look amazing. So, but still, the score does finish nil-nil at the bridge. Nobody, nobody got punched this time. Diego Costa wasn't there, so that's mm-hmm. that's good. Um, final match of the week in round ten. Um, maybe maybe the most talked about of them all, I suppose. Um, the first, the first one. <laughs> yes, uh, which is one of the most talked about parts. Yeah, uh, Liverpool versus Brighton. Uh, it finishes 1-1 with both goals coming in the final half hour of play. Uh, Diego Jota with his, I think, 300th goal so far for Liverpool. Um, he gets it in the 60th minute. Looked like Liverpool was going to cruise the rest of the way to the win. Uh, but Pascal Gross um, did end up getting the penalty in the 90th minute. Um, uh, Welbs... Oh, Brighton's truly Welbs team now drawing the foul from Andy Robertson after it was caught on VAR uh, that led to the one, one draw. Um, and I think we'll just leave it at that for now, Wes. And then now as far as the on the pitch happenings. And uh, if you want, we can talk about the thing that happened after the match later. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We'll, we'll just, we'll just touch on the match itself right now. Um, <sighs> Jesus, I don't want to turn this into a talk about VAR, mm-hmm. but Jesus Christ. Um, so let, let's let's throw this out there. Uh, out of the VAR decisions, the Mane goal was definitely offside. Mm-hmm. No, no ifs, ands, or buts on that. That was definitely an offside call. Good call. Good call. Oh, the solid goal. I mean, uh, it's just they've got to come up and figure out where they're drawing the line at. Yeah. It seems like it I does mean, change I, from week to week. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, just be transparent. Where's the line supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Figure it out and let's go by it. Don't, it almost seems like from week to week, it's almost like whoever's on the review is like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to draw the line the way I want to draw the line. Yeah. And it just leaves you scratching your head at the end of the day. It's like, I mean, I've seen a lot of football fans saying, not just Liverpool fans by any means, but VAR has turned it into like torture trying to watch a match. A little bit, yeah. Because your team, your team can score and you have that big release, but then it's in the back of me of your mind, you're sitting there like, well, wait a minute, can I celebrate or am I just <laughs> going to be extra pissed because this is about to be taken off? Right. Um, VAR was brought in to correct the, the, the way, the way I saw it. And I think the way it was meant to be was VAR was brought in to correct big noticeable mistakes. Yeah. The Such as, such as, I mean, let's just say, hey, we talked about him last week. Diego Maradona. You know what? VAR should be brought in to fix the hand of God. <laughs> yes. 
you know, VAR should be brought in for that. VAR should be is is like that's just an example. That's what VAR should be brought in to do. Mm-hmm. And instead, you know, goals are going in, everything looks fine, and then oh wait a minute, we found three of Mo Salah's arm hairs were offside. Um, and then, God, the one later that got the penalty. You, you know, here's here's kind of my deal with that. It, it, I wasn't like, I guess, pissed with that one. I was almost just more disgusted by it. You know, this happens. Welbeck doesn't even isn't even affected by it. Mm-hmm. He's already misplayed the ball. He's not even affected by it. It's like he forgets to even fall down for a few seconds. Yeah, no one on Brighton is yelling, oh, where's the penalty? Where's the penalty? Play's going on, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There might have been something here. Let's look. And then it's like, I mean, that foul, that foul, that penalty was, that was Tim Plasoft. It's, I will say, I saw, and I, I keep bringing him up because I follow him on Twitter, um, but Michael uh-huh. Cox, I think, actually had the best explanation for it. Uh, he he said, and I, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't have the tweet up in front of me, but he said, um, this is this was a foul that to the letter of the law is absolutely 100% a foul, and VAR mm-hmm. was right to correct it. It is also mm-hmm. never, it would also never have ever been called in the pre-VAR days. And that's that's how I look at it. Is like yes, yeah. that 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 was a foul in the penalty area. It VAR corrected it. Okay, never in a million years does that get called in real time with no VAR. If, if VAR in like three years ago, never never called ever. Nothing happened. And, and and the thing is, it's not even brought up. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't even be brought up in the post game. It's not like Welbeck would be. Oh well, you know, he fouled me, and we should have had a penalty. No, because even in the moment, Welbeck's like, oh, shit, I lost the ball. Mm. I mean, it doesn't even come up. And, you know, to me, especially when it's coming to penalties and things like that, if there's no precedent for real time, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can't see anything that happened in real time, why is it going back and being reviewed? Yeah. The official saw nothing. There was nothing egregious. And, and it wasn't, when I say real time, I'm not talking about, you know, elbowing a guy in the face when nobody's looking. Yeah. Where half the crowd sees it. Oh, I mean, with this, it, it happened so fast and was so inconsequential to the play mm-hmm. that, I mean, really, there was nothing to it. Yes, once again, letter of the law. Yes, that was a foul. That was a penalty. But, I mean, what did it do to do anything to the play of the game, to the flow of the game? It did nothing. And that's just – that's where my disgust, I guess, for the system comes up. And here's my other question. How come this is only happening in England? Yeah. Other countries are not having issues with this shit. No No one else is having issues. We're not having these issues in the Champions League. But only in only in the Premier League can we not figure out how to use this system. Right. And it is ungodly frustrating because once again, I mean, you don't know you don't know how to even. Yeah, you know, I've got to the point. I don't think the officials know how to officiate a game, and I don't know how to. 
be a fan of the match anymore. So here's here's an issue I just thought of, <laughs> and based on based on what you were saying. Go um, so so every other region, every other uh, God, what is the word? association? Let's call them La Liga, uh, Syria, whatever. They're all doing pretty well with VAR. Like we don't hear many crazy mm-hmm. stories coming out of the other countries about no. their VAR stuff. So here's the thing. So so you might be tempted to say, well, England, we can't get it right. Let's scrap VAR. Yeah, or 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 start reworking on it and reintroduce it when we've got something better in place. But how bad does that then look on the Premier League when you are supposed to be one one of the bastions of European football, one one of the crown jewels and you have to as an association admit we can't get this shit right when everyone else can. And that's the only reason I don't think VAR will go anywhere. I hope, I'm sh- I'm sure, I, I would be shocked, shocked, if there is not frantic behind the scenes maneuvering to try and make this thing better. I would be absolutely shocked if that's not happening. I don't know how they're going to make it better. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I just I know that everybody keeps calling a lot a lot of people call it for it to be scrapped. It's not happening. Var Var is here to stay. So it's but it, God, think, it is frustrating. I don't have it. I don't have an issue with Var itself if it was being used properly. Yeah, absolutely. But the I'm thing is, it. no one can no one can tell us how the hell they're using it right or wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, the I mean, entire all, first year we were we were going on about why aren't people going to the monitors. Mm-hmm. So I, well, and, and my thing is, if they're going to the monitor, then why is Stockley Park still overly involved in this? Yeah, you know the thing is, you've got a guy in Stockley Park telling them, "Hey, here's what's happening." Da 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 da. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Don't you see it? It's like no, let him go and watch it. If he sees something, call something. Yeah, it, it's like too many chiefs, not enough Indians. You know, too many people want to have too big of a hand in this. And, you know, in typical British form, they, they overthink the shit. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I mean, in typical English form, you know, you, you can't take something, well, it's worked in Italy, well, it's worked in Spain, well, it's worked in France. We're England. We can do it better. <laughs> no. Apparently not. Oh, I mean, I, I said, it just... Nowhere else are we having these issues with VAR like we're having in England. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's craziness and it's annoying and it's horrible and no one can figure out what the hell offside is anymore. No one knows what the hell a handball is anymore. Mm-hmm. And apparently somehow, you know, Andy Robertson catching the bottom of Danny Welbeck's boot after he's kicked the ball is a much more punishable offense than Jordan Pickford assaulting <laughs> Virgil Van Dyke on the field. <laughs> yeah, we can go watch that all day, but Van Dyke, oh God, no, no, not Van Dyke. Not Van Dyke getting his knee ripped off. Well, the... Can't watch that back. Wait, didn't no, they though? No problems there. Did No, Wait. no, no. They were only looking for offside. Oh, okay. That's right. Because once they established it was an offside position, then oh it's fine he can he can you know bludgeon him to death if he wants to now because he was offside so you know 
<sighs> I'm not bitter by any means. No, no. And, and speaking of bitter, um, uh, of course, big news story after the game was that uh, James Milner actually picked up another hit, which was by my count uh, matches Diego Jota's 300 goals with Liverpool's 300th injury of the season. Um, I, it's amazing how that works out. Um, and and of course there was somebody who wasn't particularly happy about it and made his feelings well known. Um, Wes, would you, would you like to guide us into this story? Well, I mean, all I can say is daddy is not happy. Daddy was not happy. And when daddy's not happy, the rest of the nation is not happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Obviously, this season has been an inordinate, an inordinately high number of Liverpool injuries. And, and not only fair, that, uh-huh. I was just going to say, and and a lot of teams have have right, also right, had right, this. Right, right. Yes. And that's what that's all I was about to get yes. to. Oh yes, is, go ahead. You know, there have been a, a high number of Liverpool injuries, but guess what? There's been a lot of injuries for everybody. The numbers yes. are crazy the number of muscular and it's muscular injuries we're talking about we're not talking about you know van dyke just having his knee you know ripped off on live television and nothing Mm -hmm. being done about it we're not just talking about that kind of an injury (laughs) we're talking about the injury that comes when guys play and play and play and play and play and don't have time to get good recovery because they've gotten to play and play and play for example a james milner (sighs) I mean, James James Miller is like the most fit human being on earth. And James Miller's fallen down to a damn hamstring injury. So you're, what Jurgen Klopp was pissed about was that Liverpool played on Wednesday night in Italy. Italy. No. No. No, was, no we played at home. home. We, we actually played home. home. We actually played home. But anyway, we played a European match on Wednesday night. Yes. And then had to turn right around and play a noon thirty match on, on Saturday, mm-hmm. and travel to literally Brighton. like yep right and travel to Brighton, which is by other end of the country. So basically, like the shortest turnaround there could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Jurgen Klopp um, is losing his shit over this, and you know non Liverpool fans are just ripping him, ripping him. Oh, you're bitching, you're moaning, blah blah blah. Well, they forget Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer did it like the week before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not the first ones to come across this. You know, Pep has been on this. But basically, when the Premier League signed the contracts with BT Sport and Sky Sport, mm-hmm. uh, they were promised different time slots. BT Sport has the 12:30 Saturday match, mm-hmm. which for England, I mean, you think about it, you know, you're the only match on in that time slot. It's, it's a big viewer time slot so of course bt is going to want good teams at that time slot to draw eyeballs well the the issue you're running into is that your best teams are also your teams that are playing european matches Mm -hmm. so those guys are at a disadvantage because they don't have they're losing recovery time and yes, even when that recovery time is a matter of a few hours, 
things like that make a difference to finely tuned athletes whose bodies are built to put out maximum exertion at certain times. Mm -hmm. What Klopp was pissed about was, wait a minute, we had to play Wednesday night. You turn around, you give us the early time slot on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Well, here's my thing. Just give it to somebody else. Why do you have to take Liverpool coming off a Wednesday night match and play them when can't remember if United played on Tuesday or Wednesday. United must have played on Tuesday because they just yeah. played on Wednesday today. Right. So why couldn't you take a United, which I'll get to why that in a minute, but why couldn't you take United who play on Tuesday and let them play the Saturday 12-30 match? Mm-hmm. Why do you take a team that plays on Wednesday and give them that short a turnaround? Now, one thing for United is I think they had just done it to United. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can't do it again. But, I mean, there are 20 teams in the Premier League. Four of them are playing in the Champions League, which is either Tuesday or Wednesday. Now, the Europa teams, obviously, you're not even bringing Tottenham. Mm -hmm. Was it Tottenham Arsenal? Tottenham Arsenal Leicester. You're not even bringing them into that conversation because they play Thursday night, and that's fine. So those three are out. Well, you know, why can you not march out those four Champions League teams? Well, the TV companies are, well, you know, we want the big teams, blah, 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 blah. But look, the way the schedule is this year, and we'll get on a second part of this, the way the schedule is, you know, normally you have a week off in between Champions League matches at this point of the competition. Exactly. But instead, because everything's being condensed due to COVID, they're playing three straight weeks of Champions League matches and then having what? I think they had two weeks off and then it's three straight weeks again. Well, they, they, they didn't have two weeks off, Wes. They had, oh, they just had an international break. break. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they only had an international break where they had where a bunch of those guys because, hey, guess what? Guys in the Champions League, it turns out a lot of them are internationals. They yes. play three freaking games in that time period. Yep. You know, why BT can't look at it and be like, hey, you know, this isn't the best time to put Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Mm -hmm. uh, City in the 12-30 match is beyond me. But that's what Klopp is pissed about is, you know, you're, you're basically screwing his team over. You're screwing those four teams over, especially if they played on the Wednesday night. Now... You know, speaking of the um, the networks, Sky, of course, uh, Sky's got the bigger of the package because Sky gets a lot of games. Sky employs a walking grapefruit, apparently, named Gary Neville. Oh, no. Who somehow, Gary Neville has said there's nothing different about this year than any other year. Oh, no. <laughs> I think Jamie Carragher literally was about to crumble as he just... <laughs> Stare daggers into this meat socket. What the hell are you talking about, Gary Neville? And nothing's different. <laughs> we just told you how the Champions League schedule's different. We just talked about how the international breaks are different. You're playing the same amount of matches that you would in a normal year. You're playing that's over, say, a 10-month period. Mm-hmm. You're basically putting it into eight and a half months. Do you mean there's nothing different, Gary Neville? I mean, they pay this man a lot of money to talk like an expert. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. Gary Neville 
can be a very good analyst. Mm-hmm. But this stance that he has decided just to jump on and take is one of the most moronic things I've ever heard in my life. Like I'm praying, I think somebody else said this, but like I'm praying that Sky Sports was like, all right, guys, listen up. Uh, we're going to do one of those uh, American-style things where uh, one of you is going to take one position and the other one of you has to argue against it. So, uh, Gary, you drew the short straw on this one. Go ahead and try to defend this shit. We, we, need, we need you guys to watch these two fellas named Stephen A. Smith <laughs> and whatever the hell the other one, Skip Bayless. Yeah. Watch them. They're morons. Be yeah. that. Be that. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I can't even. I mean, like, my head is literally starting to hurt right now thinking of <laughs> Gary Neville's logic. Yeah. It's like, how can you not literally just look at the numbers and see mm-hmm. that they're playing the same amount of games in a shorter time frame? Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I'm 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 out of things to say about Gary Neville. Not that any of them have ever been particularly <laughs> glowing, but you're you're killing players right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the injury numbers. The injury numbers are off the charts compared to what they've been in the past. We knew this season was going to be difficult. The Premier League, of course, of all leagues, the Premier League is the one that refuses to you know allow the five substitution rule, which of course. God, that's its own day. Jesus, there's so many debates going here and Klopp is in the middle of all of them. <laughs> I mean, that's one where, you know, once again, you can give some guys some relief. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is doing it. Not England. But, but West, England. the big clubs will just be so, they'll just, they'll benefit the most from it, don't you know? Because they, they can afford to buy all the better players and keep them on the bench. Don't you know? Well, but, yeah, but you know, the thing is, you can buy all of them you want when they keep falling like damn flies because they're playing every other damn day, it seems like. Yeah. Oh, me. I mean, there, there are so many variables to this. And, you know, the Premier League then are acting like, well, everything's written in stone. No. If we've learned one thing in mm-hmm. COVID 2020, nothing mm-hmm. is written in stone. Absolutely. Why? Because this Friday, a match is already postponed. Yep. Nothing is written in stone. You have the chance to fix it. Do it. Fix that. Fix the substitutes. Fix fucking VAR. Fix the scheduling. Fix it. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, no, no. We can't do that. Oh, it's, it is extremely frustrating. Like I said, I don't know when to cheer. I don't know when not to cheer. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I, uh, I don't, I don't want to use this to disagree with your point, but I do just want to bring up something that even I didn't quite realize uh, last week when we were talking. Um, I'm gonna try to. I just, I do want to double check just to make sure I'm not insane. Go ahead. But um, so real quick here, Europa League. Um, so that was on the 26th. That was on, no, I'm sorry. The, okay, so that's why. All right. Okay, I was I was about to say that uh, Tottenham actually played City on, on a Saturday, but that was that was on a, a non-Europa week. Yeah, that, that was, was the non. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. That's why I wanted to make sure before I, before I destroyed people that, that uh, but I will say, and that is, that is one thing just real quick. This is something that has been 
a minor that has been kind of bubbling for a long for literally as long as you and I have been doing this podcast. Because we have how many times have we talked about the Europa League being a poison chalice? Because you have to play Thursdays, God knows where sometimes you have to play these matches. Mm-hmm. And you have to turn right around on Sunday and play. And unfortunately, you're not always given that nice like 9.30 or 11.30 slot. Sometimes you draw the 7.30 slot. And I'm talking Eastern time, not mm-hmm. uh, actual English time. Because um, I remember some weekends watching Tottenham play in Europa League and then going to the pub at 7.30 in the morning to watch the mm-hmm. North London Derby. This this mm. kind of thing has been happening for a long time. But because it was Europa League, it was just like, eh, whatever. And But now that it's the Champions League, people are starting to realize, oh, this is bad. And then the schedule got compressed and it's, oh, this is really bad. Oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really yeah, especially bad. You're especially seeing it with the compression of the schedule and with star players dropping. Yeah. That's the other thing is star players are dropping and shit, that's not good for anybody. Yeah, because before when we were talking about things dropping, it was points and how many points you would drop from playing in Europa League. And now it's like, oh, no, actually people are dropping now. So, yeah, this this is a very frustrating thing. I I would love for this to be fixed. I don't think it's getting fixed this year. I mean, obviously, we're almost done with the Champions League for the most part in the group stage. So, but yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that goes moving forward. I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Premier League, though, unfortunately. Um, no as we look ahead to this week, um, as Wes so eloquently put, Friday's Friday was supposed to be Newcastle versus Aston Villa. Not anymore, um, because a bunch of people tested positive as part of Newcastle staff. So, um, hey, yeah, that's that's getting postponed. And since, as they mentioned at the bottom of this athletic article, because they play seven fixtures between now and January 2nd, not not getting made up anytime soon. So Aston Villa now has two matches in hand. Mm-hmm. One from the very first week of the season when their match with Manchester City mm-hmm. got delayed because City was in the Champions League from last season, and now this one. So Aston Villa will catch up at some point, I suppose. Um... God only knows. Um, the rest of your slate this week looks like this. On Saturday at 7.30, non-Champions League teams uh, as Everton plays Burnley. Uh, 10 a.m. you get Fulham versus Man City. 12.30, it's United versus West Ham. That's sometimes a fun one. And at 3 p.m., it's Leeds versus Chelsea. That could be a very fun one. Although I feel like I say that every week with Leeds because, <laughs> hey, Leeds is a fun team. Sunday uh, at 7 a.m., it's Palace versus West Brom. 9-15, Leicester versus Sheffield, and then a double dip of what two could be two great matches. Uh, at 11-30, it's the North London Derby for the first time this season as Arsenal heads to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to take on Josie Mourinho's men. And at 2-15, Wolves, fresh off their big win against the Gunners, head to Anfield to take on Liverpool. And on Monday at 3 p.m., it's Southampton versus Brighton. Quick look at the table reveals Tottenham Hotspur still on top with 21 points, level with Liverpool in the head-on goal differential. Chelsea are in third with 19 points, Leicester in fourth with 18, and then West Ham, Southampton, and Wolves all on 17 points. Um, I, w- I will say that that means that United, City, and Arsenal 
are all still out of top seven positions. Just let that sink in. We're more than a quarter of the way through the season. None of those three clubs are in the top seven. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation. I know it's a dream come true. The bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Uh, Fulham just outside of it with seven points. West Brom now inside of it with six. Burnley at five. And Sheffield United still with one lonely point. Um, so, and I will just say real quick, um, I, I was very nervous about leaving Arsenal outside my top seven at, when we did our, our uh, predictions at the start of the season. And that still may change, but seeing them in 14th, I'm just, I'm just doing the Captain Holt vindication meme over and over again. It's so great. So Especially over the guy who had him in his top four. So. <laughs> ah, it's not a dig on you. It's just... Because oh. I, I was like, God, I really don't know if I should do this. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to do it. It's 2020. Something stupid's right, probably going to happen. Fuck it. Um, hey, let's talk or, about the Champions or, League. Only 28 oh. more matches to go. So. Yeah. Uh, Champions League time where there's only now one more match to go in the group stage for all the teams playing. Oh, yes, it's the Angelic Choirs have given us a very dynamic group stage here. Uh, As we start in Group A, um, Bayern needed a late uh, Thomas Muller penalty to get a draw against Atletico. Uh, 1-1 result there. Jao Felix with the goal in the 26th minute. And Salzburg with a big three win, three one win over Moscow. Um, that means that Bayern they have won the group even with the draw at thirteen points. Atletico, the point was very very valuable. Three points would have gotten them through. They would already be through. But mm-hmm. as of right now, they are they are still a little bit in doubt. They now will be taking on Red Bull Salzburg in in uh, Austria. If Salzburg beats Atletico, Salzburg goes through as the two t- seed. Just let that sink in, everyone. They could go through. Uh, similarly, if Lokomotiv could get a, like a win against Bayern, which, eh, who knows, um, they could at least maybe finish um, third place and go on to Europa. But Wes, um, I, I feel like I've been saying this, and there's a couple teams I'm going to say this for. You know, the whole time we're like, oh, no, you know what? Atletico's going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. <laughs> it's all coming down to this one match on the road at against Salzburg. Surely Atletico's going to win at, or at least draw and get out of this group, right? Well, looking at the way their thing has gone, I'm, I'm betting on them to get a draw. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's give them four draws out of six matches and go through horribly, horribly. Uh, unattractive way to go through, but you, you know, you've just got to believe Atletico have enough to get through. Yeah. Man, you know, where is that La Liga form? It's been so good. Where's that form when it comes to the Europe, yeah. to the European game this year? And uh, They haven't been great. I mean, God, they scored five goals in five matches. That's terrible. Like even for yeah, an Atletico team, terrible. that's terrible in the group stage. Yeah, and and this is supposedly, I mean, this is a different Atletico team. You know? Yeah, this is different. I, I mean, when you look at it, them and Locomotive are actually the same goal scored goals against. Yeah. So, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, this is it's it's a little bizarre, but um, yeah. 
I, yeah, I truly don't that, understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, let's let's keep that that feeling as we head to Group B. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. a big yeah. Um, Inter on on the back of Romelu Lukaku as he as as he's dragging Antonio Conte's men, kicking and screaming, possibly into more European football. They get a three-two win over Borussia Mönchengladbach, and Shakhtar. Proving that their first match apparently wasn't a fluke against Real. They get a 2-0 win in Kiev. And so right now, Borussia leads the group with 8 points. Shakhtar and Real Madrid both have 7. Shakhtar owns the tiebreaker, importantly. And Inter Milan have 5. Which means nobody's been eliminated. And nobody is guaranteed a Champions no. League knockout stage place yet. None of them. No. Not even Mönchengladbach. And just no. to to, uh, to finish up the, this little part here, Mönchengladbach will be heading to Madrid for their last match. Shakhtar go to Milan for theirs. Wes, it, oh, what in the hell is going on in this group? I thought Inter were dead. I thought Real was going to be able to get past Shakhtar. What? What, what the hell? And all I can say is I'm one week away from my own Raymond Holt moment of vindication. <laughs> you are. You said you Munch, said this was a tough group. Mönchengladbach. Um, Real Madrid are so bad. Yeah. You know, here's the crazy thing. Inter aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. Inter just had some really bad results for them. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid stink. I mean, the the fact that they're on seven points is surprising, not because it's that low, but because they're actually that high. Yeah. They've stolen true. some points so far in this group. Mm-hmm. Um, they could easily be sitting bottom and already eliminated, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Uh, Shakhtar are not good. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow right now, if it ended right now, they're sitting in the freaking knockout stage. Um, I mean, this is, you know, from a neutral perspective, this is exactly what you want. You go into the last, uh, the last day of the group and everything, literally everything is up for grabs. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Enter sitting in fourth right now could still top this group when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. If they did, Yeah. Like Conte could just save his job with one match. <clears throat> or, or get or fired. Slam the, yeah, slam yeah. the door on it. Um, just, just an absolute insane group, just for reasons that. Here's the thing on this group none of them are very good. Yeah. <laughs> none of them are very good. Uh, Mulching Gladback had their chance to. You know, to go on and win this group and Inter pulled it back at the last moment. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this has been just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And my God, how much how much fun has it been, and how much fun is it about to be? Oh. All right, I'm, I'm putting Fly you on back the... Real Madrid. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm gonna put you on the spot. What 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 are you saying? Who? is getting out of this group. What which two teams? 
<sighs> Just because I want it to happen so damn bad. <laughs> Won't you glide back and enter Milan? All right. Punching on the glad back. Shockingly, not much has to happen. That's just if Inter and and, yeah, and Borussia win their they matches. Win. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. this is insane. It is oh, insanity, man. Oh, it is dude. the most insane thing ever. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. That <sighs> is December 9th, so that will be next Wednesday. Uh, oh, yeah, and of course it's the last day of the group, too, which makes it even more fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, group C, not nearly as dramatic, unfortunately. Um, Manchester City got their nil-nil draw over their apparently arch-rivals Porto um, that sees them. I, I believe they've won the group now. Um, Correct. I don't, I don't believe, yeah, I don't believe Porto can get a tiebreaker against them. Uh, and then Marseille beats uh, Olympiacos 2-1 uh, to get their first three points in the group as they're mm-hmm. fighting for a, uh, a Europa League knockout stage place. Uh, Marseille will have to head to Manchester City, who have nothing to play for, and Olympiacos will be hosting Porto with nothing to play for. Um, so, yeah, even, even with the nil-nil draw, which is why West was cautioning everybody about City being back, um Still, you know, the the expected results, mm-hmm. I think, of City City topping the group in Porto, uh, finishing second, Wes. Well, that, more than anything, I mean, City always takes care of things in the group mm-hmm. stage. You know, getting out of the group isn't the issue for City. Yeah. It's once they get out of the group, what the hell do we do now? True. What's the two-leg tie? I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. That's kind of where we're sitting with um, with City, uh, and, and this one did get a little testy, especially in the post game press conference. Yeah, uh, between the Porto manager, um, basically saying things that we think out loud on this podcast. <laughs> he got to say it with a worldwide audience, so um, I'd like to bring him on the show. <laughs> Absolutely open invitation. I'd like sir. to bring that man on the show. <laughs> I love him so much. I have to look up who he is real quick. <laughs> That's uh Jesus Christ. Sergio Conceição? Conceição? Sure. Cusasal. Cusasal. That's what we're going with. Sergio Cusasal. Mm-hmm. God, I'm I'm yeah. I know port a little Portuguese and even I don't even know how to pronounce it. He says that name. the words that we believe. I I think it's I think the C is a K sound. So it'd be like Consecal? Because the A would be, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, on to Group D. <laughs> as, as we, we don't know how to pronounce things in Portuguese. Um, Liverpool do end up topping the group and no yeah. no last week yeah. shenanigans needed uh, as they get a 1-0 win over Ajax thanks to Curtis Jones' goal in the 58th minute. Uh, somewhat surprisingly, though, Atalanta struggling against good old Michelin with the 1-1 draw. Uh, needing a 79th minute Christian Romero goal to draw even, um, which does set up a final week match of Ajax hosting Atalanta and Atalanta one point ahead of Ajax, which means that Mm -hmm. if Atalanta gets a draw or a win, they are through. If Ajax win though, they will go through as the second seed. Uh, Michelin have been eliminated with just the one point. Um, 
good to know. Um, so, uh, yeah, they they will not be they will not be advancing to Europa in any way. Um, so, Wes, obviously Liverpool coming through with the the one no win, which was important just to uh, just to mm-hmm. go ahead and make that Michelin match not mean anything at all. Which means that Jurgen Klopp can fully rotate <laughs> and play every seventeen-year-old that we possibly have. Uh, sh- shades of the uh, the League Cup match while the Club <laughs> World Cup was going on from last year. Oh my god! Yeah, that's exactly the team that we need to put out. I have zero. That's exactly the team we need to put out next week. Um, <clears throat> uh, on the night, uh, it was uh, it was the the children of the Klopp. <laughs> who uh, got the job done. Liverpool starting three of their young academy graduates um, in Cutis Jones, Mika Williams, and getting um, only his third ever start for Liverpool, um, his first outside of the League Cup. Uh, some call him Keevan, some call him Queevan. Uh, he's got one of those sweet-ass Irish names where it doesn't sound anything like it's spelled. <laughs> Yeah, that second pronunciation, you got to be real careful with that. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard all them calling. I'm calling him Keevan. That's okay. what I've always gone Safe. with. Is, nice. uh, Keevan Kelleher, the 22-year-old uh, Irishman, um, well thought of in the Liverpool Academy. Uh, he comes in in place of Allison, who, big shocker for Liverpool, somebody's hurt. Um, <laughs> and this time it's Allison. Uh, Allison with a hamstring issue, so he misses the match. Instead of Adrian coming in, yeah. Stephen Kelleher gets the start, and have we seen the last of Adrian? <laughs> oh no, in the Liverpool shirt. Uh, we may well have because Stephen Kelleher came in and did the business, made some big stops, including a late one uh, where um, the the cagey, wily vet. Klaus Jan Untelar came through with a huge header late and Kelleher stood it up uh, put it out and Liverpool are your 1-0 winners on the day Um, and as we said the children of the club the assist came from uh, the 19 year old Nico Williams the winner came from the 19 year old Curtis Jones Um, Jones scoring his first European goal in a Liverpool shirt. I'm going to tell you, man, when it comes to Curtis Jones, I am really feeling the vibe that Curtis Jones is going to be like a Liverpool star award for the next decade. Mm-hmm. Um, the Liverpool Academy, which was always somewhat revered, but didn't really produce anything there for a long time. Uh, in between the whole Michael Owen, uh, Jamie Carragher, Steven Gerrard group mm-hmm. didn't really produce anything. And now all of a sudden um, in the last three, four years, well, basically since Jurgen Klopp's come on, uh, has produced uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who world-class, one of the best, one of the best, arguably the best right back in the world. Um, Curtis Jones, who is integrated beautifully into this Liverpool first team. And I, I think at this point, Jurgen Klopp, if he looks down the list and he's like, all right, I've got Curtis Jones. Cool. No problem. We'll play Curtis Jones. We have no problem with that. Uh, he's turning into a good one. Nico Williams uh, deputizing Trent Alexander-Arnold. He He's had his ups and downs, but 
was just fantastic against Ajax. And now maybe he looks down there and he's like, ah, oh, Keevan Kelleher, I've got my new number two goalkeeper. Um, Liverpool are producing from the younger ranks again all of a sudden. And that's scary when you're taking those guys and supplementing it into that main team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right now, looking at the injury list for Liverpool, it's all hands on deck. And when you've got a bunch of, you know, teenagers who are stepping up and integrating right in and the level of plays not really dropping that much, that's all you can ask from your academy. Mm-hmm. That's all you can ask. And right now, Liverpool are doing it. Um, big night for for Klopp's kiddos. Um, and as we said, coupled with the Atalanta draw, uh, Liverpool, not only are they through, they've won the group, so they're set up about as well as they can. Um, I'm figuring next week you're definitely going to see another uh, dose of Kelleher and goal. Uh, you're going to see Nico. You're going to see Curtis Jones. Um, you're going to see Reese Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, any Anyone that he has on that Champions League roster, I mean, you know, there were there were three or four under twenty threes on the bench last night. Uh, I saw Jake Kane's name on there. Uh, Jaros, who's a young defender's on there. Guess what, guys? You're getting to play in the Champions League next week. Yay! <laughs> and on top of that, your asses are playing ninety minutes. <laughs> Got no one's getting substituted. You know, Simakas is going to play next week. It's oh, it's going to be it's going to be the answer. It's going to be like watching the League Cup. <laughs> uh, which, as you know, those are the ones I truly enjoy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, just, I mean, Liverpool could not ask to be in a better position in Europe right now because they are going to get a blessed midweek off. <laughs> yes. Um, so, very big for them uh, next uh, Wednesday to be able to do that. Um, gonna go ahead and go Group E and G have nothing really going for them right now. Um, props to Krasnodar for beating Renier 1-0 and qualifying for the uh, the Europa League uh, group stage. Congratulations. Um, getting their winning goal there from Marcus Berg, he of the Swedish strikers. Um, and then Chelsea pounding uh, Sevilla 4-0. Olivia Giroud mm-hmm. getting every single goal in that one, basically saying, pay me, you fucks, or I'm working <laughs> in January. Um, Chelsea will top the group. Sevilla will finish second there. And then in Group G... Hey, you know, Juventus beat Dynamo Kiev 3-0. Barcelona beat Ferenc Varos 3-0. Congratulations. They're both advancing on to the next round. And uh, they'll meet up in the final match week to uh, to see who goes through his group winner. Uh, Barcelona with the current three-point lead there. Um, group F, though. Group F mm-hmm. does still have a little bit of intrigue left. Um, mm-hmm. Dortmund. We know. Are... Right. Dortmund. Dortmund are through. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Dortmund are through uh, with the 1-1 draw against Lazio. Ciro uh, Immobile with the penalty there in the 67th minute to get the draw for the um, for the Italians. Uh, that puts them at nine points, one behind Dortmund, um, and can still top the group, but Dortmund are through as either the first or second seed. Uh, but right behind Lazio is Club Bruges, who got a 3-0 win over Zenit. Uh, Zenit's at one point. They are gone. Bruges are two points back of Lazio. And as this happened a couple times now in the Champions League final week, those two teams will be playing each other in Rome. Um, Borussia will be heading to Zenit. Um, but again, if Bru- if Club Bruges beats Lazio, 
they're through. If Lazio draws or wins, they're through. And if they win, they have a chance of actually topping the group, uh, depending on what Dortmund does against Zenit. Mm -hmm. Um, But Wes, you know, this was a group where we picked Dortmund and Lazio to go through, Mm -hmm. but Bruges is staying in there just enough and they're going to fight to the bitter end on this one. Uh, They are. You still have to think at the end of the day, you know, Lazio and Mm -hmm. Lazio is going to take care of enough business. Um, For Dortmund, Dortmund, I think are very fortunate that they've gone ahead and clinched and gone through. Uh, the news, Erling Holland with a hamstring injury, he's going to miss the rest of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> luckily, going out of that, they're going to have the winter break, so that'll give them a little extra time to get Wait, ready. what's that? Uh, what? Well, this is something they do in foreign countries. <laughs> countries that aren't England. Well, apparently England has a winter break, but, you know, they'll probably make them play through that. Yeah. Anyway. Um you know, he won't play against Zenit St. Pete, but you know, in the in the Champions League, you you want to see the best players playing. Mm-hmm. So we want Erling Holland back. So he should be back for the uh for the knockout round. So that's that is um very positive news for Dortmund because he did not look very good without Erling Holland up top. <laughs> now we'll see what happens to him in the Bundesliga because that's I think he's going to miss, I believe, maybe six Bundesliga matches. Yikes. Uh, Frankfurt, Stuttgart, Bremen, and uh, Union Berlin, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay, those four, and then the Hill missed five, maybe six. I think maybe a DFB Pokal game in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, Dortmund, with all the, the greatest young talent on earth in the world, um, they're going to have to – they're going to have to find a way to uh, get by without their their top guy. But uh, really for them at the end of the day, good draw. For Dortmund, whatever gets you through, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. So uh, Absolutely. So Dortmund are through, and now Lazio are in the driver's seat um, to go through themselves. And last time that did, that match between Bruges and Lazio did end 1-1 in, in uh, Belgium, so we'll see. Uh, Mm -hmm. what the result is next time on December 8th. And then now we're wrapping up with Group H, which, as we stated in the beginning of this Champions League, H stands for hell because this is this and Group B were the two absolute groups of death. Um, Istanbul, Başakşehir has already been eliminated. They lost a heartbreaker 4-3 to Leipzig. Uh, I've I've watched Alexander Sorloth's 92nd-minute goal for Leipzig. (laughs) about 20 times i'm still trying to figure out how he got that thing in there um (laughs) just amazing job by leipzig they uh they get to nine points and then psg beats united 3-1 neymar with the brace including the capper in the 91st minute they get to nine points united are on nine points which means that one of these three teams out of united psg and leipzig are not going to advance um, and just to recap, uh, PSG hosts Istanbul in the last match in Paris. Leipzig gets united in Germany for their final match. That is gigantic because you have to think, you have to believe PSG is going to beat uh, the Turkish side. 
You just you have to believe that, which means that whoever comes out of United Leipzig on top is going to advance out of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wes, maybe you know when we talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and and how intelligent he was in his first couple of Champions League matches this year, the absolute insanity to leave in Fred after halftime, who already probably should have been sent off with a red card, leaving him in to pick up his second yellow um, and drop United to 10 men. (laughs) Just, oh, oh, I'm sure you take absolutely no joy in this. I mean, it's not even joy. It's just, you just shake your head and laugh sometimes at at what they do. Um, You know, Fred was lucky to escape a straight red card on that first yellow he got. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and stupidly picks up a second one in the second half, leaves his team down to 10 men. And PSG, who were not particularly good, mm-hmm. I mean, they were just, they were able to run free and pick them off. That's exactly what happened. Uh, PSG have been quite unimpressive in this tournament. Yeah. Mbappe had another poor match. Um, Neymar scoring the two goals, of course, and they get the win, and that's all that. That's really all that matters. Um, <clears throat> but I'll tell you, this this group is the one that is inspiring you the most. As in, you know, whichever two teams come out of this group, you can't, you don't look at them expecting them to go very far as this tournament continues, because it's not that like they're locked in a dogfight because everybody's playing well. They're all up in a dogfight because they all sucked. Yeah. And it's been like more like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, it's It's an exciting group. It's coming down to the end of it, but it's been pretty shit play. Mm. this whole stage. Yeah. It's, it's been a little disappointing given the quality of the, the three teams involved. Um, but still two of them got to come out. Um, yeah, and, so, uh, and and for Leipzig, uh, Dea Makano picked up a yellow card in this one. He will not be available for that match against uh, Manchester United. Well, with, with the match in Leipzig, we're again we're going to kind of assume that PSG is going to beat uh, yeah. Istanbul and get to twelve points. Um, even, the, even though this is a perfect match for PSG to just <laughs> shit the band in. They're, they're going to lose. Leipzig and UAE are going to draw, and PSG is going to get knocked out. You heard it here first, folks. Um, Thomas Tuchel will get Lane Kiffin to not be allowed back on the play. <laughs> um, well, who do you think Who do you think uh, takes the match between Leipzig mm-hmm. and United? <sighs> Jesus. I hate to say this, but this, this is... This is the time where United like finds a way to go and like Bruno gets a ninety-first minute penalty to win. <laughs> I mean, this is just it's just one of those matches where you know with United, once you completely count United out, that's when they seem to be able to find a, find a match. It's mm-hmm. when you start to believe in United that they'll fully let people down. Mm-hmm. So I think right now with everybody going against United and the fact that there's no way they should go through in this. United will find a way. So PSG United. Um, I will say, and I just I've just looked up the tiebreaker scenarios. Um, mm-hmm. If PSG do win and gets to twelve points with a draw in the United Leipzig match, 
United will be the team to go through um, because the the second uh, uh, the first one is points in head to head. And because United beat Leipzig in their first match, that would give United four points against um, Leipzig, which means that they would advance. So Leipzig must beat United to advance. Assuming PSG does, assuming PSG beats Istanbul. Uh, oh, yeah, this has all the makings of 2 2 with a 91st minute controversial Bruno yeah. Fernandez goal. Oh, uh, on yeah. a penalty. Yeah. Go ahead. Journalists, go ahead. Your article is done. What Wes yeah. just wrote it for you. It's, it, it, it I is. I got written. you guys. I got you. I've always well, got y'all. This is how I do. <laughs> Well, we'll be back next week to uh, discuss how the final matches shake out. Um, but now we're going to hit uh, the news and notes. A um, little bit of news here. Uh, with fans being allowed back into the stadium, in some stadiums in the Premier League, um, BT Sport will be defaulting to real stadium sounds uh, as per The Athletic. Um, so we'll we'll see how 2,000 fans sound versus can sound. So that should be interesting. Mm. Trust me, uh, if it's on BT, they'll fuck it up. Yeah, there it is. Um, Brexit also rearing its head in the Premier League now. As uh, the Premier League clubs have been banned from signing under 18 players uh, from overseas. And that is under 18 years of age players from overseas. Um, and those will come into effect in January. So that's, uh, you know, we, we wondered for a long time exactly how... Um, the these the Brexit would really impact the Premier League West, and this is like the first thing to to really hit is that uh, no longer will under 18s from other countries be able to come to Premier League clubs. Yeah, this this is uh, this is the first big domino that's going to fall. Um, <clears throat> the big Premier League team clubs, um, your especially at this point, Man City, mm-hmm. uh, Man yeah. City, Chelsea are two clubs that um, have really put a lot of money over the last decade, decade plus really for Chelsea uh, in bringing in top young talent and put them in the academy and if they break through that's awesome or if not they turn around and they sell them for 10 times more than what they pay for them uh, you know academies for the bigger clubs are great money making tools mm-hmm. Um on top of you know, on top of providing them with uh, you know some reinforcement players, they're they're great money making tools. And City have been able to go around the world and pluck these young players. Chelsea have done well at it. Um, Liverpool have done pretty well, um, even with with some foreign players. When you look down in their ranks. Um, a few that I uh, jumped to my mind are um, Keanu Hoover, who we sold, uh, of course, to um, not the Bournemouth of all people. <laughs> uh, who do we sell Hoover to? What in Villa? Was it Watford? Oh, I've forgotten all the. Um, somebody in the league. Anyway, not worrying about it. Um, but you know, Hoover is a, a Dutchman who we sold. Uh, you know, Seth Vandenberg is a guy who was a pretty ballyhooed signing. Uh, who's down in the academy right now, um, who we signed under 18. Uh, Billy Comedia, um, the the gigantic French teenager, 
who is um, a promising center defenseman for Liverpool. Uh, those are just three guys right off the top of my head who, you know, once this rule kicks in, Liverpool can't sign those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, City, Chelsea, you know, basically the bigger teams, their academies are able to go and do this. They, they pay big money for a lot of teams. What For what a lot of teams would be, they pay big money for these academy players and they bring them in. And once again, they can either develop or they can sell off and they're taking that away from them. And that is, that's going to cause, I'm not going to say harm, but that's going to cause um, some changes, you know, in the academy system. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is really the first outward thing that we've seen that's come of Brexit. And, you know, we we were a little iffy on the whole Brexit thing due to Premier League. Uh, what's it going to do in the Premier League? And um, here we go. We're starting to see it now. Yeah. it's And there, there could be more things coming down the line. Um, and as the article in The Athletic noted, uh, that was by Matt Slater and a couple other people, uh, Premier League clubs knew this was coming. You could just see in the amount of mm-hmm. uh, young players they signed this summer oh, yeah. from other countries. So um, those were those were gobbled up very quickly. Um, in what feels like a story we've been talking about on this podcast for about the last three years, um, although this entire year feels like three years in some ways. Um, the yeah, my, my uh, dad made the comment yesterday. I tell you, this year sure has flown by. I said. Are you literally talking about this year? This has been like the longest year in the history of mankind. <laughs> like, it feels like it's been five years. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's like, well, you're just not old. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not old. So. That's that's a good point. You're not old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but hey, a little bit of good news here in 2020. Um, the U.S. Women's National Team and the U.S. Soccer Federation got uh, to a little bit of a proposed settlement on Tuesday. Um, a couple conditions have been met that will put them on equal playing fields with the men's national team. Um, four policies that are li- right now in the settlement include charter flights, venue selections, uh, which includes playing matches on almost all uh, grass surfaces, which is great. Uh, professional support, which includes medical officials and things like that and physicians. And then uh, ho- better hotel accommodations on par with the men's. Uh, national team and then they there's also i believe i read a clause in there that says if the men's national teams uh the men's national team upgrades their stuff in any of those four categories the women then have the right to bump up their accommodations to match those as well um there is still a an appeal on uh part of the equal pay part but wes at least it seems like um this is this is starting to get resolved um, with the new soccer president, Cindy Parlo Cohn. She seems to have taken a much more conciliatory conciliatory tone with with the regard to the lawsuit and the disagreements. And you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, this is great. Wish it would have happened like eight months ago, but I guess it's truly better late than never. Sure, just we've said old. Um, Letter Kenny kicks it in for us. Figure it out. Figure it out. Maybe they finally figured it out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just had to marinate on it for a little bit. Uh. <laughs> so I let it marinate. So, you know, um, yeah. I mean, just just get this over with. Stop looking like idiots mm-hmm. and pay the ladies. You know, back in my days, we didn't have anybody's winning the World Cups. Now these women's are winning so many World Cups, and you can't even fucking pay them. Must be real fucking nice. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Oh man! Any ostriches around? And finally, um, just a quick update: uh, Zlatan is still fighting EA Sports for his image on the FIFA games. Um, in a quote, he said, um, "What was it?" Um, uh, in response to an, a statement from EA Sports that said it quote acquires licenses from leagues, teams, and individual players. And the dispute has little to do with the company. Zlatan said, it's not about collective image rights. Your games are based on individual image rights. You did not buy it from FIFA Pro because they told us. You did not buy it from AC Milan because they told us. You also did not buy it from me. Who did you buy it from then? Oh, Zlatan, Zlatan, Zlatan. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this works out there. Uh, just just to let you all know that that story is still ongoing, and Zlatan is definitely not uh, backing down from this one. So we'll we'll see how that that shakes out in the end. Um, but as we've been talking so much about the athletic, we've reached the point in the pod where we pimp the athletic. So Wes, uh, what you got in the cooker for uh, what what you've been marinating there? Well, let me uh, let me open up the oven here. All right, and see what I got to say for this week, um, because we're still not done with Maradona. Adrian Heath uh, on Maradona's generational influence, um, written by Jeff Reuter, that came out on Tuesday. A very very good one. Um, Adrian Heath, one of the um, top. British players of the 1980s uh, had, a, had an up close and personal view of uh, the greatness of Maradona. Um, Ari Wiseman, would Urban Meyer taking the Texas job affect Ohio State? That's uh, the big question in this week's recruiting mailbag. As I said earlier, Texas is back. So much <laughs> that they might fire Tom Herman's ass. Um, that's how back they are. Um, and Urban Meyer, the hot new name um, that is uh, that is floating around for the university of texas would be a would definitely definitely be a game changer um speaking of the little uh meathead uh, walking grapefruit we talked about earlier uh <laughs> world war three was breaking out gary neville's tough tenure at valencia which showed us that gary neville is as shitty a manager as he is an analyst <laughs> oh boy oh boy um Here's one I haven't gotten to yet, but I've got it saved. It's called It Was Soccer on Cocaine, The Brief Wildlife of Soccer Slam. What? Can't figure out if this is like real or if this is fiction or what the hell it is. I think it's real, but I don't know. It looks really freaking interesting. Anything that's soccer on cocaine, I mean, can I not be down for that? (laughs) Cocaine, baby. (laughs) Um, and one more, uh, Abramovich and the aftershocks that altered football forever. Uh, I mean, that says what it is. It's going to talk about, um, you know, Roman Abramovich coming into the game in the mid-2000s 
and basically changing everything because now it turned into oligarchs and sheets and giant corporations owning these clubs. And, you know, it's no longer the chairman, you know, the chairman of the club who you see down at the, down at the diner <laughs> on Tuesday morning, you know, eating his English breakfast. Uh, that ain't how it works no more. So, um, you know, Abramovich was definitely an original. He was a pioneer, a trailblazer. Uh, some say he's brought out the worst in football. Some say he just uh, took it to the natural progression and took it to the next level. Uh, but whatever you think, it's a very interesting read. Excellent. Um, well, I am definitely going to be reading um, the story you sent me, um, Bonds, Heaters, and Crying on Cue, The Lost Effing Stories of Jim oh. Leland. Um, I have that one saved and I just read like the very first part, uh, already, already, already an award winner for the athletic for sure. Um, now stop me if you have actually talked about this one before, cause I cannot remember if you have, um, but this one is actually from maybe like a week ago. Um, so if you did cover this and I just forgot, I apologize. But I read through it and because I thought this was insane, and this is coming from me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a college football article, everyone. <gasps> I know this one is titled uh, "The Egg Bowl Butterfly Effect: How Two Firings Altered Almost 300 Coaching Careers." You know, uh, I can't. I might have touched on that one, but I would love to hear your opinion of it because I found that story just fantastic. To hear that many different points of view on on how everything shook out from from the the beginnings of it to the end to to hear the guys you know who who were able to get on with a different program and then to hear about the guys who haven't still found work i, I there was one guy who I, I don't remember which team it was for but basically he was he was uh that was like the birth of his child and while his wife was in labor he got a call i think it was from lane kiffin uh, uh-huh. Telling them that he wouldn't be a part of the staff anymore, and um, yeah, just a phenomenal article. Like to go through that many different bo- viewpoints, to to hear that. Like there, there was times when when I hit the section of of people who hadn't yet found jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was getting quite emotional and quite sad for these guys. Um, that you can tell I've just put in so much work and so much effort. And just haven't been able to get back back into the game yet. Um, well, and, and you know, it's just something. Just to touch on that, it's you know, we we are we're so quick as fans. Mm. Oh, fire the coach! Oh, oh, they're terrible. Mm. Just fire the coach. And all we think of is, um, you know, well, Matt Luke got fired, and Matt mm. Luke was the head coach of Ole Miss. And they, oh, well, he got fired, and the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, got fired. Well, no, I mean, when, when the head coach goes, usually that means all, most, if not all of the staff go. Yeah. And the staff is not just two or three guys. You're talking 20 to 25 guys on a staff. You're talking the, um, the guys who aren't, quote, coaches, but are part of the support staff. A lot of them are on their way out at that point. And then when you look at the butterfly effect, well, somebody has to come in and replace that group. Yeah. And then somebody has to replace the group. So, like, <laughs> say the group. Uh, well, well, and we can say the group from Florida Atlantic, where Lane mm-hmm. Kiffin was, kind of came into Ole Miss. Well, then somebody has to replace it Florida Atlantic, which I believe turned out to be Willie Taggart. Mm-hmm. Jesus, God, have fun with that. <laughs> um, 
where Willie Tiger was coming from, that had to be replaced. <clears throat> and it just goes down the line. And it's it's a double-edged sword because for some guys, it is, hey, it's their opportunity to get in. But for some guys, they find themselves on the outside looking in because at the end of the day, not everybody's going to have a job. Yeah. And the and like they said, it's a butterfly effect. And with that with that game with uh, with the young man lifting his leg and pretending <laughs> to urinate in the end zone, who by the way he's like one of the best receivers in football yeah. now. By the way, he's fantastic. Uh, he he has made amends and and mm-hmm. did this past weekend in the Egg Bowl. Um, I mean, it went from Starkville and um, um, God Jesus, where's old Miss uh, uh, Oxford? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, all the way to Hawaii and Washington and, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of miles away, we're feeling the effect of this game. And it's really crazy to think about, you know, so just kind of just kind of have a thought next time, you know, you you just you've got to get rid of this coach and this coach and say, well, they're the worst. Just and not not to say you got to feel bad for anyone. I, I don't feel bad for everyone. Mm-hmm. But there's so many workings that go mm-hmm. into filling a staff. Mm-hmm. and it's just it's so deep it's like the roots of a tree you know it's so deep as it goes it's, it's really cool when you get into it and look at it. well i think not just that but like you hear about some of the things like it says um like when one of the when, when kiffin signed uh with Ole miss it's like he has a he got a 16.2 million dollar deal and uh and you're like well, well, it's it's really hard to feel sorry when a guy like that gets fired because, like, you're making so much money. But then you think about, like, the grad assistants and the strength coaches and, like, the, I don't know, like, the quarterbacks coaches or whoever who might be making thirty, forty thousand 40000 a year and it's much harder. The video editor guy. Yeah, who who and who doesn't maybe have that that name recognition that someone like Lane Kiffin like Lane Kiffin is gonna get fired from Ole Miss at some point and is probably going to get another job after that because he's a head coach and he has that name recognition. Other guys don't. It, it it's not that easy for them. It's at that point. It's man. I, I hope you have a connection somewhere and and someone else knows you and is willing to vouch for you. And you can get on there because it's it's really hard. So if not, you might end up selling used cars in Kenosha. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So this is this was a fascinating read. I, I I don't even to be honest, I don't even remember how I found it. Um, but I I remember seeing it and I clicked on it, and from the jump because I didn't I didn't know this story. I I didn't know about um the uh elijah moore doing this in the egg bowl last year because you know if if it's if it's not the biggest college football game i'm probably not watching it anymore but i just you know it's one of those that happened on thanksgiving i just i happened to i remember it very well because it was one of those games i turned it on you know you get the espn alert hey close game on espn right now you know Uh uh old miss and mississippi state it's a six-point game with four minutes left oh shit i got nothing going on turn it on let's watch it and I watched it unfold in real time and was like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> and then you find out one of the coaches just comes across and said, yeah, we just all got fired. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Rough. So, Rough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just that that's, you know, we talk about the athletic and I mean, that's one of those stories where it's just like, yep, yep, this is yep. this is why I pay you guys my money. And, and that, 
you you are going to thoroughly enjoy that Jim Leland story. I'm very excited for that story. Jim Leland is God. Jim Leland's freaking amazing. We've already we've always known that. Like, yeah. Down. But I mean, just wait till he just he just starts like Jim Leland and all over the damn place. Like, there's so, the, the, the follow up to the whole, and they will touch on the him and Barry Bonds like getting caught on camera cussing each other out, <laughs> which is just that's a famous one. The aftermath of that, where he's like in his hotel room talking to his assistant coach about that, that is just like this is beautiful. This is this is exactly what we need in our lives. <laughs> um, I will say, like the athletic is so good at so many things, but they're long form, well sourced content. Mm-hmm. And again, like this Egg Bowl article, this about with all the college coaches, mm-hmm. and then like I'm just scrolling here and seeing like how much work was put into this. Like not even, yeah. I haven't even read the content yet, but I could just tell right. it's going to be an insane amount of, I, of, I think they've got a section called like athletic ink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, that's like their real in-depth, like feature stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've yet to, now I don't read them all because if they don't, you know, sorry, I'm not reading about hockey. It's just, me. <laughs> um, but you know, None of them that I've read that I was interested in the topic, none of them have disappointed yet. They're they're great. Just absolutely wonderful stuff on the athletic. All right. Um, let's hit the watch for Wes. What you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Uh <clears throat> I've been watching. Um actually me and me and my lady. <laughs> my lady. I just tipped my fedora if you guys couldn't see it when I said my lady. Um <laughs> I'm super cool. Uh, we actually sat down and watched The Departed last week. Okay. She had, she had, she had somehow uh, not ever had the chance to see that one. Um, I believe it was the Academy Award winner 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't, then 2006 must have had something amazing because The Departed is just like one of the best freaking movies I've ever seen. Uh, so good, so good. She thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um I watched something this past week, uh, but I can't really remember what it was. I watched a lot of live sports because there was a lot of football and a lot of college football, a lot of uh, football football that I've been watching. Um, oh, man. I've really got to start writing shit down once in a while. Me and her are going to start something. I can't remember where we're going to start. <laughs> I'm screwed. It's like three weeks till Letter Kenny comes out. Jesus, that's all that really matters. More Letter Kenny. There you go. Um, also, how are you now? Oh, Golden, you're one. Okay, I got no time. Um, boy, howdy. Um, so I had a show last week and I forgot what it was when we started doing it, just like you. I should write it down, and then I remembered after what it was, and now I've remembered it again. Um, so I haven't actually watched it in the last week, but I did watch it uh, a little bit more. Um, do you remember a show called The Animaniacs? Jesus Christ, yes. I can nearly sing the entire song. Well, they have a new season on Hulu um, of, like, I think 13 new episodes. Um, one name, Producer Jackie, and I watched the first five. Um, and they are <laughs> they are quite good. They are, they uh, as, as they mentioned in one of the episodes, they actually had to write them apparently two years ago. So it's not super, super current, but it's still pretty current. And the... Uh, the scathing co- social commentary is still very much there. 
and they are very self-aware of what their show is about. I'm very impressed with it. I will say, I didn't notice it, because I think it's in episode six. There is a part of Pinky and the Brain, because yes, Pinky and the Brain is also back inside the Animaniacs. Um, Apparently, in one of the episodes, um, on the original publishing of it, they put like... Uh, pink or the brain is doing like this commercial like if you want to take over the world just call this number blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. and the number they put on the screen turned out to be a real number and from the insinuation i got from the person telling the story i believe that was a number to a sex line so so needless to say that totally for kids (laughs) needless to say that number got changed very quickly first they re-uploaded the episode and the name, the number was just gone. There was nothing on the screen. And then they re-uploaded another version with a different, actually fake number this time. Um, so the yeah, five, five, five number. Come on, yeah, just, come on, people, come on. Uh, but yeah, Animaniacs are back, and uh, I'm very, very excited about it. So I, we need to get through watching the last uh, batch of episodes. But yeah, very, very impressed with what I've seen so far, and all the things to come back. Um, I know we complain a lot about like reboots and stuff on the show, but uh, but man, bringing Animaniacs back in 2020 felt real good. Felt We're really Animaniacs. Good. We have pay for play contracts. Uh, to the max, there's baloney in our slacks. <laughs> oh, any, any song that tells me there's baloney in their slacks, which I've, yeah. by the way, I've literally been singing the song for like the last 25 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know this song. I've randomly singing this song in my regular everyday life. So it's oh, it's great. It is absolutely fantastic. So still, still really good to watch. Um, so yeah, that's my watch for, which means that we're at the end of the podcast, and we now need to conclude with a uh, a very sad so raw as they all are now. So S, please take us through the latest edition of Sad So Raw. Um. Uh, that's right. Unfortunately, when we do so raw recently, they are they are sad so raw. And um, today, unfortunately, we'll talk about the passing of an absolute WWE legend, a legend of the wrestling world, uh, Pat Patterson, mm-hmm. passed away at the age of seventy nine years old. Um. So uh, let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, as a as a wrestler, um, his biggest highlight as a wrestler, the first ever Intercontinental Champion, um, won it in 1979 in a tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, my. Uh, that's right. Won the Intercontinental title in Rio, was the first one ever. Um, before that, made his career um, in um, – the San Francisco territory was a huge draw, a huge start there for years. Um, one of a uh, member of one of the best tag teams ever. He and uh, a guy by the name of Ray Stevens, who you know the old timers talk about those guys like reverently when it comes to tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the absolute great teams of all time. So he goes to WWE, then WWF, late in his career, once again, wins that Intercontinental title, wrestles for a few more years, and then transitions really where he probably has made his biggest um, contributions to the business, transitions into the front office, becomes uh, one of, if not the right hand for Vince McMahon, um, 
is a massive part of the uh, 1980s rise of professional wrestling. Um, uh, and then the 90s when not only did he help hold it together, but then the re-rise, the Steve Austin era, The Rock, those guys, um, was a huge mentor to many wrestlers. Uh, but on top of that, he was he he is they call them finish guys where they're guys you know you know when you put together these matches it's like a movie it's like a tv show you know everything is building up to the culmination of the match and they say pat patterson is one of the best guys ever to come up with the finishes of a match whether it be just a straight up finish um something where you're getting heat where it's you know just when you need the big finish pat patterson's the guy Mm-hmm. Um, had a huge, huge role in uh, helping the development of um, one Dwayne Johnson, then known as The Rock, who you know became the biggest wrestler in the world for a while. There, uh, his other big, another big one was the creation. He was the guy who created the Royal Rumble, oh, which wow. is basically the number two, well, number two, two A, two B, depending on SummerSlam um, when it comes to pay per views. Uh, he came up with the Royal Rumble. Before then, when they did Battle Royals, it was everybody started in the ring and the last man left was the winner. He kind of came up with the um, <clears throat> with the concept of, hey, let's bring them in one at a time and you know build keep building the momentum until the end. He did come up with the name, thank God. Uh, there were some bad names before he came up with the name Royal Rumble. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then culturally. Uh, he is the first openly gay wrestler. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, well, at least one who was on a big stage. Um, uh, so apparently it was kind of in, well, you know, re- professional wrestling, especially 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it was definitely a boys club. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what are boys clubs terrified of? I mean, they're terrified of anything different, like, you know, like, a gay man, when when you're a narrow-minded or a closed-minded or just don't know the difference, um, a straight guy, you know, you're having to wrestle around with a gay guy. Oh, man, why is he touching me? Oh, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm showering with this guy. So I'm sure there have been many gay wrestlers over the years, but no one would, no one came out, you know, for fear of, for fear of reprisal or just fear of anything, fear of basically killing your career. Uh, which is, I mean, you know, that's basically a big thing in the homosexual community anyway for generations now. Uh, you know, what's, you know, what what is this going to mean for my life, my career, if I come out? We've gotten to a point, luckily, in society where, well, I'll say we're getting more to the point in society where it's just like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Sleep with who you want to sleep with. <laughs> Hmm. Which is how things should be. You know? um, but in 2014, uh, he was on the Legends House show, which was a really fun show to watch on WWE Network. And um, he he actually did come out uh, of the closet um, on that show publicly. I think from from a lot of things I've heard, you know, I, I still, while I don't really partake in the current product, I still like to listen to a lot of the podcasts. Um, especially guys like uh, Jim Ross and um, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, 
God, some uh, Bruce Pritchard especially. And Bruce Pritchard, Pat Patterson, very, very close over the years. And Bruce Pritchard, they've kind of alluded to it before. It's like, I mean, we knew, but it wasn't anything that you ever brought up. So, um, hmm. <clears throat> but uh, he, he did come out. Um, so I guess that did make him the first openly gay uh, wrestler. So, um, you know, a big social moment there for Pat Patterson. Uh, in the Hall of Fame, 1996, WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, he's just, he's one of the all-time greats, man. And uh, my, my first big introduction to Pat Patterson as a performer was in the late 90s uh, when he and uh, Gerald Briscoe, who had both been big stars back during their uh, performing days, um, they they became known as the Stooges for Vince McMahon. They were, they were the guys who, you know, they this is when the Mr. McMahon, the evil Vince McMahon character was coming out. These are the two guys who kind of did his bidding. <laughs> and they did a lot of comedy stuff. They got their asses kicked a lot. Um, they got put into, you know, quote, humiliating situations. And, man, those two guys who were wrestling legends, they just they took it and they made it their own. And uh, I think at that point they were introduced to a whole new generation of wrestling fans. I mean, like I said, people my age, that's why we remember those guys now. You know, I, I don't remember Rio in 79, sorry, what <laughs> they're running around. Uh, but I very well remember Pat Patterson coming out. And uh, he was uh, he was French-Canadian, so he had the great little accent. And um, they, they make fun of him mercilessly, not knowing what the hell he's saying three-quarters of the time. Uh, you know, once again, Bruce Pritchard, which I'm expecting now with Pat Patterson dying, Bruce Pritchard will probably have something. You figure uh, Pritchard and uh, Ross, probably Arn Anderson, some other guys who do these shows, they're going to have some really poignant uh, Pat Patterson tributes coming up, which I'm looking forward to hearing. Uh, because, I mean, I, I would I listen, especially Bruce Pritchard doing impressions of him. I mean, I'll just like, I'll bust out laughing wherever I am because he, he's, they're hilarious impressions. But the thing about Pat Patterson, at the end of the day, he gave a damn he cared. It, it was his life. He put everything he had into it. Um, and, you know, he'll go down as one of those guys who he made, he made the business that much better because he was there, uh, because he was involved in it and because of his work and his passion that he had for the business. So, um, yeah, man, another one, you know, uh, 79 years old for a professional wrestler. What more can you really ask for? <laughs> You know, what more can you ask for? He didn't die young. He didn't die. You know, he's not ODing. It's not, you know, nothing killed him. The guy was 79 years old. He lived a great life. And um, he's one of those. Uh, he'll go down as being very, very fondly remembered, I think, by wrestling fans everywhere. Absolutely. Well, it is another happy trails in the wrestling community, unfortunately. And, and I will definitely call this one a happy trails, you know. Yeah. Um, one, one of the better sads, sad so raws we've had to have. Um, but that will do it then for this edition of the Foreign Affair podcast. Um, episode 343 is now in the books. Thanks again to NGSC Sports. Uh, you can find them on the social medias as well as us. Um, on Twitter as a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw21. 
and I am at Edward Green, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show, and you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks to our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play, oh, sorry, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All you people out there getting your Spotify trends for the year, Woo! posting them on Instagram. I see all of you out there. So uh, I'm about to look at mine when we're done. <laughs> I'm not going to post on that because I'm not that guy. Excellent. You you never were. Um, so yeah. so uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, more fun Premier League action to talk about, no doubt. And, of course, it will be a wild week in the Champions League as they go through their final stage of the group. Uh, but, Wes, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add? Uh, college football. <laughs> you want to talk about something that's just all over the map. College football. I mean, the reschedule now is just getting bizarre. So Miami was supposed to play Wake Forest, and that's been postponed twice. So now, because they might lose that game, um, they just randomly added Duke to the schedule. So now Miami's coming to Duke this weekend. Okay. Awesome. If I was off, I'd try to get a ticket and go, but I'm working, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, God, it's crazy. You know, yeah, this team hasn't played in a month. Wow. Um, you know, the upsets are happening. Uh, Northwestern, the damn nerds, they were, they were doing so good, and then they blew their – they blew their shot um, to get to the playoff. <laughs> They're talking about Ohio State. Ohio State might not end up playing enough games to play for the Big Ten title. I know. I'm so excited about that prospect. Oh, man. But, but I still can't see how they wouldn't get into the playoffs. I don't yeah. know, man. This whole thing, it is, God, if anything has been more bizarre than the college football season. <laughs> Well, but that said, I am so freaking thrilled that we've had college football because that is like my fall sport, my college football and my my European football. Because as you folks know, me and Ed, we don't much care for the Sunday football. No. And apparently the NBA is about to start. Good for them. I don't give a shit. Christmas. Did you see LeBron's contract that he signed? Uh, No, I didn't. I only bring this up because he's a minority owner in Liverpool. Sure. So LeBron, I didn't realize basketball salaries had gotten this high, but good for him. LeBron just signed a two-year extension worth eighty-five million dollars. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, folks, I'm a free market. I am as capitalist as they come. It's true. I have said it. We've had this conversation out here before. You are worth what someone is willing to pay you. Ron's getting two years, eighty-five million. That's a lot of damn money. ESPN broke it down. ESPN broke it down. I think he makes like a dollar eighty-two a second or something. He makes like eighty-two dollars an hour, or no, no, God, it's much more than eighty-two dollars an hour. Never mind. It's like eighty-two dollars every five minutes. I can't fucking remember. It was a really good break. I'm going to actually have to find this real quick. Um, you can start closing it, and I'll, I'll just I'll find this, and I'll just break in with it, because this is, this is great. Um, so, with that, um, we will say good night and good luck from the Afford Affair podcast. From my call in crime, Wes Bradshaw, 
I'm Edward Green. Everyone out there, please stay safe and enjoy the football dragon. <laughs> yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, this is even better. So LeBron makes a dollar thirty-six per second, eighty-two dollars a minute, four thousand eight hundred ninety-one dollars an hour, one hundred seventeen thousand three hundred ninety-seven dollars a day, three point five seven million a month. Over two years, that's eighty-five point seven million dollars. I mean, it's good work if you can get it, I guess. It's true. True. He Very probably true. makes more from his endorsements. Love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Oh. You know it, my friend. <laughs> you know it. More hands make less work. <laughs> yes, pitter-patter. Ah, time for a cocksucking G&T. <laughs> There's a special place in heaven for animal lovers like you. Oh, special place in heaven for animal lovers. Good, good night, Europe. We've got one week to sleep until all hell breaks loose. Oh, yeah. oh man, it's going to be great. Oh man, too much fun. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.